Our scripture lesson this morning is found in the Gospel of Luke, the 15th chapter. We're going to be reading the 25th through the 32nd verses this morning. Now his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing, and he summoned the uh, or one of the servants and began in, inquiring as to what these things could be. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, look, for so many years, I've been serving you and I have never neglected a command of yours. And yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you have always been with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. You know, we've talked in the past about the fact that the older brother in this parable of the prodigal son is a. Uh, just as prodigal, just as wasteful of his relationship with his father as his younger brother is. He has one valid complaint, though many people hold, and the one that we may find ourselves secretly sympathizing with, even while turning our noses up at him. And that is that the rebel son got the fatted calf. He, the faithful older son, didn't even get a goat to, so he could throw a party with his friends. He might be nasty, he might be vindictive, but it seems unfair. Now, through the years, I've come across people who adamantly hate this story and angrily defend the position of the elder brother. I have a dear friend who feels so strongly about this that he quit going to church decades ago because he said that the older brother got a bad rap. I know others who want to pull a Thomas Jefferson and take their scissors to God's holy word and to correct a lot of his errors, excising this parable and especially the parable of the workman who got paid the same age or same wage, whether they uh, worked one hour or they worked all day. People just don't like those things, and they want to change God's Word. They want to just tear those pages out of the Bible and make God say what they want Him to say. That's basically what they're doing. As I thought about this earlier, I remembered something I read that I think applies here. In folklore... Cinnamon, ginger, and clove are said to repel the evil and the foul. They're also the majority ingredients 
of pumpkin spice. Remember, uh, remember this when you hear people complaining about pumpkin spice, because now you know why. Now, my point is this church folk who complain about God's word instead of trying to understand it and embracing it and allowing it to bring them into a deeper communion with their heavenly father don't love God at all. Just like the elder brother, they just want the father's stuff. They want what they can get out of the church. They want what they can get out of God. While I was a uh, in chapel in seminary one day, a professor who was preaching made a great point along this line. He recounted how he had the privilege to preach at a small local church the past Sunday. And as he was shaking hands at the close of the service, a man came up to him and he took his Bible and he shook it in the prof's face. And he said, do you believe this book? Do you believe everything in this book? And the prof said, I took that Bible and I said, if it grasps you, not if you grasp the book. And there's something important there for all of us because so many people want to grasp, they want to, they want to grasp the book and change it and make it say what they want it to say instead of letting it grasp them. And so that's my point. Uh, the uh, prodigal son's older brother was a strickler. Well, strickler? That's not even a word. I made a new word. A stickler for protocol, for the way things should be, the way things ought to be done. Maybe you know some people like that. I know tons of them. Sheridan and I remembered one just driving uh, in this morning while we were we were talking. I, I started talking about how, you know how, how these people that are in church, they're so rules oriented and it's got to be just like this. I never realized what a self-centered place they're coming from because they only do that with the rules that they like. They only do that with the rules that, that, that agree with the way that they want things to be. And if it's not the way they want it, they'll just ignore it. Have you ever noticed that? And then they'll be the ones that are trying to make rules and get the church to vote on rules uh, also uh, to make things be and church be the way that church ought to be. And so uh, and I have felt this pressure from these sorts of people for years and years. It just never really hit me how self-centered they were. And uh, because it's all about them. They make it seem like it's all about the rules, don't they? They make it seem like, well, this is the way that the church does stuff together. And just like the prodigal son's elder brother, they miss any point of relationship. Oh, it's just so sad. I believe that, uh, well, the elder brother is the sort 
that uh, he uh, will make sure that everything is done just right, no matter what it takes or how many people are hurt or put down or trampled on in the process. Complaining comes naturally to him because he's taught himself to look for what's wrong and, of course, to point it out to be helpful, quote unquote, uh, rather than to celebrate what is right. The older brother won't celebrate until everything is right. And now we know, and right means the way that they want it to be right. And that includes the younger brother being treated the way that he thinks that the younger brother should be treated. We saw recently that meant being publicly disowned and humiliated, not just by his father, but by the whole community. I believe that some church folk look on criticism as a spiritual gift that they need to exercise regularly to keep things right in the church. Here's a story about that. It was after a church service one Sunday morning in which the minister had preached on spiritual gifts. And he was greeted at the door by a lady who said, Pastor, I believe I have the gift of criticism. And the pastor looked at her and asked, Do you remember the person in Jesus' parable who had the one talent? And the woman nodded her understanding. said, Do you recall what he did with it? Yes, the lady replied. He went out and buried it. And then the pastor suggested, Go now and do thou likewise. That's what you should do if you have the gift of criticism. I've learned this in my own life because I'm preaching to myself and uh, I have had to overcome this. I'm still trying to myself. And so, uh, but we're inclined to believe the older brother when he or she is in full swing, even when he is chastising us for what we have failed to do or what we have not done correctly. And we feel the guilt. And honestly, many times there is truth in what they say, but it's the spirit in the way that they say it that's wrong and reveals their heart. But the father Jesus tells us of in this story is fair. And that's the point. This is no bumbling old man playing favorites. His delight is not in the younger brother alone, but in the family. He is just concerned for, he is just as concerned for the older brother to draw close as he was for the younger brother. And that's what his comment means. My son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. While longing for the return of his younger son, the father has given himself uh, to the older brother in love and appreciation. I want to talk more about that next week. The second thing to consider this morning and the last thing to consider really is what the fatted calf is really all about. You see, it wasn't a gift given to the younger son so that he could celebrate with his friends, which is what the elder brother says. That's not what it was. That's not what was going on. 
This is a self-centered twisting of what's happening. And many want to make the fatted calf a symbol or a sign of something other than what it really is. But here is what it really is, folks. It is the main course of a celebratory feast thrown by the father out of joy for his son coming home. Read that. That's exactly what it says in the scripture. That's what it is. And he's wanting his whole family to love each other. He's wanting them to get along with each other. And it just, he's, Jesus is reflecting his father's heart and his heart. And if you'll recall in that last prayer that he prayed for his disciples and for you and for me was, Father, I pray that they may all be one as you and I are one. May they all be one. That was his final prayer. And that's the, the desire of his father's heart. He wants them all to be one. Not just unified in some cause, but unified in their celebrating the love of God and the love that he showered on each other the value he's given us individually and given to each one around us just as richly as he's given it to us. It's a celebration that someone has come from the dead into life. And that's what it's all about. That's what he was trying to get across to the scribes and the Pharisees in that day. Was uh, It wasn't that these sinners and tax collectors who had repented and come into the kingdom should be punished and browbeaten, but that they should be received joyfully and encouraged to move on. Many of you will remember, if you're honest, uh, and others of you who are younger may have heard about the 70s song by Tony Orlando and Dawn tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. How many of you remember that song? Let's see your hands. How many of you have heard of that song? Ah, okay. All right. Okay. Well, uh, this is just it. It's, it's, it's an old song. Came out in the 70s. The singer is an ex-convict who's just gotten out of prison and he's on a bus heading home and he doesn't know if his wife wants him back. And so he writes her and he asks her to tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree that he would see from the bus on his way home. And if she wants him back, that's what she should do. And if he didn't see a yellow ribbon on the old oak tree, then in his words, he would just stay on the bus, forget about us, put the blame on me. Well, when the bus was coming into town, he couldn't bear to look. He just couldn't lift his eyes. 
and look to see whether there was a yellow ribbon on that tree or not. But then all of a sudden, the other passenger started crying out. And so he had to look up. And what he saw was a hundred yellow ribbons around the old oak tree. Well, that kind of corny, perhaps, and maybe I'm just getting old and soppy, or perhaps it just speaks too closely to my own life. But I must admit, this song just still chokes me up. But that is what the fatted calf was, you see. It was the father's oak tree filled with yellow ribbons. I'm sure he wondered, how do I demonstrate forgiveness, welcome, and reconciliation that goes way beyond a family putting up with a recalcitrant son just because it's the right thing to do. What can I do so that next month, next year, when doubts begin to plague his mind, this son of mine will know for certain that he was not simply allowed home, but he was welcomed and wanted home. The point Jesus is making to sinners and tax collectors, to scribes and Pharisees, and to you and to me, is that when you come to yourself and respond to Jesus' invitation to come home, you're not simply allowed home and tolerated. You are welcome and you are wanted. That's what the fattened calf is all about. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.